Join us as we explore timeless wisdom from around the world, seeking truths that resonate most for each individual. Welcome to Peace on Your Journey podcast. I'm John Lawyer, a former soldier turned spiritual traveler. At Kishar, we celebrate the journey of discovery together, delving into various religious, spiritual, and philosophical traditions. For a deeper dive into spirituality, join our vibrant online community at kishar.org. If you'd like to experience this production with dynamic art and video content, check out our YouTube channel at Peace on Your Journey. Broadening horizons and expanding spiritual understandings is what I'm all about. I wanted to read something on Buddhism, and I figured, why not just go back to the source? So I pulled In the Buddha's Words off the shelf. It's a really great anthology of many passages from the Pali Canon. Pali Canon was the only fully intact surviving work from the foundation of Buddhism. It was passed down containing many of the teachings directly from Buddha. It was carefully passed down through oral tradition before it was finally recorded in writing. And with some notes on this edition, the compiler and editor of this specific work was Bhikkhu Bodhi. And he has done a, a great job of making this foundational text way more approachable. The Pali Canon itself isn't organized uh, very well by theme or subject. It doesn't have much semblance of order as far as what relates to what or what would logically be taught before something else. So Bodhi has organized the works into a more logical and readable series while remaining true to the source material. And he did uh, real credit to the original direct translations. The real magic of this edition is his commentary and introduction prior to each section of direct excerpts from the Pali Canon. He does an excellent job of breaking uh, the text down into modern, easy to understand bits and pieces. This is important. If you're just going to go read a direct translation of the Pali Canon, it'd be kind of like trying to just read the King James Bible all the way through. It'd be a bit technical. So it's nice to have someone kind of have a guiding light for your path. I feel this way when I'm reading philosophical works as well. It's nice to have people explaining kind of what you're reading. One of the things that comes up a lot when people talk about Buddha is how there are similarities between Jesus and Buddha, and there's parallels there. And I think that definitely came through for me reading this. It's just a couple of chill dudes teaching a message of loving kindness at, at a base level. They're obviously very different people, and it's a different style of delivery and message. But there's a similarity in the base teachings there. And I don't know if you knew this, but uh, the Buddha, Socrates, Confucius, and Lao Tzu were all active mostly at the same point in history. Uh, about 500 BCE. As I think about Buddhism and the Pali Canon, I think about peace and dogma as I was reading this. There's real beauty in the faith that shines through this work. But beyond that, you can see a complicated religion. And I don't think I ever realized exactly how dogmatic the Buddhists were. You know, at times the, the teachings can seem a little fundamentally narrow. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. There's also a richness there, uh, but sometimes it may feel too restrictive according to the letter of the law. And I'm not sure restrictive is the right word. There's, I think there probably is a better word, but I'm not sure what it is right now. So I'm just trying to convey what my feelings were reading through this. Uh, but it's nice to have a detailed instruction on how to live a better life, a more enlightened life. And and this gets really detailed in how, you know, and how to do that. You know, the path to enlightenment, sometimes reading through this seems a little overcomplicated. And, you know, that strikes me as human. 
because humans were involved in passing this all the way down from the Buddha himself. So it's not exactly what the Buddha said. It's, it's as close to it as we can get. When I think about dogma, I think I automatically default to Christianity in my mind. I don't know if that's some kind of self-taught bias or if it's a bias that's been passed down from my culture and community that I'm a part of. But there's plenty of dogma in other religions, including the Eastern faith, including Buddhism. And maybe the point is we accept the dogma for what it is. We set it aside and use the beautiful teachings that speak to us from each religion or spiritual philosophy. And I think detail probably has its place. I'm just not sure that it's the only way and that it has to be that way. To be fair, I think many Buddhists would probably agree with that. And so even in the detail of this book, it brings us some wonderful concepts. It's super instructional and very meticulous on how to meditate effectively. I think that's great. And it gets technical in ways to achieve more awareness through meditation. So it's a lot to take in. It took me a few days to get through this. Uh, It was pretty long, very worthwhile. But I think it could be one of the best introductions to Buddhism that anyone could read. I think going straight to the source material means you're getting as close to the original ideas and teachings as possible. And I think that we should also keep in mind, again, this was passed down via oral tradition. And so there were likely changes made along the way. And so that's okay. And so you can kind of walk with the Buddha on your spiritual path reading this. And it strikes me as a solid base that you can use to kind of build your spiritual path and journey on. I still definitely believe you'd want to look at other beliefs as well. And I think about the crossover between Buddhism and Hinduism. And so where you you couldn't go wrong reading this work, I think it would give you a better understanding of the world around you. And as Buddhism is essentially an offshoot of Hinduism, it would be interesting to read, for me, something about the overlap between them, in addition to reading through this. So what changed from the Buddhists when they left Hinduism? What changed from the Hindus when the Buddhists moved away? And I think you can definitely see connections between Buddhism and Hinduism in the Pali Canon as you read it. Uh, Obviously, both religions have a ton to offer. I tend to resonate more with Hinduism than Buddhism. Uh, It's a very personal choice. For me, I feel like Hindus have a a little more uh, less strict and a little more enlightened approach to enlightenment, if that makes any sense. But people feel the same thing about Buddhism versus Hinduism. That's okay. It goes back to that technical part for me, that Hinduism for me feels a little less technical. I, I don't want that to be the only takeaway I had because this work was filled with so much wisdom. And... One of the passages that really hit me hard was as follows. It was, the teacher did not intend to present a complete system of ideas. His pupils did not aspire to learn a complete system of ideas. The aim that united them in the process of learning, the process of transmission, was that of practical training, self-transformation, the realization of truth, and unshakable liberation of the mind. And so this quote directly from the Buddha really takes me back to the beauty of this belief system. There's something to be said about slowing things down, being patient, being mindful, being very deliberate and intentional with what we're doing and being united in the process of learning the way of things. I think that's a really beautiful thing to do. And beyond the practical training that they have, they describe self-transformation. And that may look very different for each person 
uh, each unique self, you know, that self with a capital S. So then there's this realization of truth and liberation of the mind at the end. And for the Buddhists and Buddha, that was nirvana, uh, which can be similar to the Brahman or the Tao or Christ consciousness, the nature of things or the universe, any name of the divine that we have out there in our different cultures. And further from that quote, there's another one where the Pali Canon describes the present moment. You will have feelings and emotions, but strive not to attach these to anything. Experience, process, and then let it go. Peace will follow. And I feel like this is such simple advice. It's just a few words and it's super easy to read what I just said. And maybe we, maybe we understand it, but do we do it? You know, this is where the magic happens. Being present or living in the moment isn't about not feeling things. It's the opposite, actually. It's about actually fully living there in the present. If we can experience a thought, a feeling, an emotion, or the, a moment and process it and then let it pass, we're more alive than we could ever be otherwise. So let go and be in the moment. Uh, love and live your life. And this book talks about the cycle of samsara. And that's similar to the same word in the Hindu tradition. And they have a very similar definition uh, referring to the cyclical nature of birth, death, and rebirth. And that all sentient beings are said to be trapped in this cycle, driven by their desires, aversions, and ignorance. And that life after life, these beings wander through various realms of existence, experiencing suffering in a bunch of different forms. And Buddhism seems to have a lot of focus on suffering as a part of the journey, that it teaches us things that are required to learn before we can move on. And there's a lot of debate about that in the spiritual realm and the spiritual community. And that's probably a whole other discussion, probably a whole other video. But samsara is essentially infinite, you know, but your ultimate soul may escape through enlightenment or finding nirvana. Your spiritual path or your journey is an integral process and navigating through infinity, you know, to, to, to see and find yourself or the divine and, and then escape that samsara, escape that cycle. Part of this process is to, as the Buddha say, stop craving. You know, through several parts, I got the sense that there's a big emphasis on the elimination of craving. And it makes sense given that craving, you know, pervades many of our negative and base issues that we have as humans. Craving is this huge attachment that we have to things. It can move us or motivate us in a really subconscious way. The idea that we're unaware of this a craving moving through life and not living intentionally. No one is perfect. The Buddha lived within a classist system and he taught within a classist system. Uh, during the portions of the Pali Canon, especially in parts where the Buddha was with his students in social situations, it occurred to me that they could be a little bit arrogant, sometimes a little misogynistic, and that Buddha didn't change the caste system. He carried it over from the Hindu tradition, from India, ancient India. It stayed in play with the Buddhas, but the caste system wasn't applied amongst the Buddhas, monks, and devotees. And that kind of struck me as un-Buddhist-like. It was okay for the population of the masses, but it wasn't okay for them. And I understand that these are, you know, 
quote unquote, these were different times or whatever. That's usually what people talk about. I'm just kind of bringing this up as something that we can recognize and see, because I think it's important to, to think about the actual history of spirituality, the history of religion, and how that is contrasted against the beauty of the teachings and all the things that we can learn from it. And that's, that speaks to the imperfection of human intervention in spiritual affairs. And that's where dogma comes in. And that's where we as individuals have to decide where our, our boundaries at on our path, on our spiritual journey, and that we each have to choose our own way. And we can do that while also understanding it's absolutely okay to have teachers and guides. So this highly, it's this highly individualized and personal thing, our spiritual journey. But it's okay to ask for help, to seek guidance, and so that we can light our own path ahead of us. And some of us can be students and teachers at the same time. I've been that way where I might tell someone something and, and help them, and then they might tell me something, and, and I'm like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And before we move on, please subscribe by hitting the watermark in the lower right-hand corner and share this video with your friends and family if you think they might benefit from it. One thing I got from the Pali Canon was joy. I think sometimes Buddhists get this rep of being like super serious. And I think that makes sense given their focus on mindfulness training and their their extreme focus on things, the the role of pain and suffering in the, the spiritual journey. There's also humor and joy within their faith. And I believe it's also deep inside the people who practice Buddhism. There's all this focus on loving kindness, which I think is one of the best terms in the world. And I think that's one of the great gifts of Buddhism is that idea and, and concept of loving kindness. And so I just wanted to clear up that misconception that they're not always these serious people. There's a lot of joy there. After all, it's not one thing or the other. It's the balance. There was a story that was told in uh, one of the parables related in the Pali Canon about the blind men and the elephant. And this king took several blind men and had uh, each of them fill different parts of an elephant. And then he later asked each of these guys to describe their part of the elephant to this room of other blind men. And compare it to a worldly object so that everyone could kind of understand what they were talking about. But since none of them had touched more than one part of the elephant, none of them had the full picture as it is. So each each blind man thought that he his description was right, but it turns out each one of them was right. They thought the others were wrong because they couldn't see the whole. And I think it's a good story because it raises that question of, do you see the whole? The wholeness of the universe, the wholeness of yourself, and that takes me to the idea of we see the world how we see the world. There's a section in the Pali Canon that said, ordinarily, we represent things to ourselves through the refractory prism of subjective bias. So we see the world as we're trained or conditioned to see the world. We're trained by ourselves. We're trained by people our entire life to see things a certain way. So does that mean we lose the ability to see the world as it actually is? I think the answer is probably yes. So part of the path is just learning to see again, to see in different ways. How could we have seen before we're taught how we we could see or we we're supposed to see, you know, from that original self inside? And so here the Pali Canon says, we see things that we want to see. We blot out things that threaten or disturb us 
that shake our complacency, that throw into question our comforting assumptions about ourselves and our lives. To undo this process involves a commitment to truth that is often unsettling, but in the long run proves exhilarating and liberating. So reading that, that really beautiful quote there, if you want to see the world and yourself as it is, it might be hard, it might take time, but it will be worth it. And in the end, the Pali Canon says, only those with vision see. So have that vision and see yourself, see the universe. So on distractions and meditation, there was this great section in the Pali Canon on the removal of distracting thoughts. It was a, in a very instructive manner. It came with good meditation advice. And there are other sections on mindfulness, quite a bit on mindfulness. There were detailed meditative breathing instructions that were quite healing. There was discussion of the master path. There are several sections on the master path to enlightenment. And it's a long and winding road. And back to that really warm value of loving kindness. If there's one takeaway for me personally from the Pali Canon, it is loving kindness, the concept of it. It's about the warmness of that. It's the enduring and beautiful gift from Buddhism to the world. I think the world can use more loving kindness. We can all use more loving kindness. I think you start with loving yourself and then it will just build up within you and spill out to the world around you. And so suddenly you're living your beautiful, loving, kind life and those around you are also experiencing loving kindness. So take the time to develop your own spiritual practice that embraces loving kindness. Weave it into your life every single day and work to add it into moments in your life whenever you can. I think you might consider overlapping paths. The book says that ancient Buddhist practitioners were a community. They were united both vertically uh, through the relationship of the teacher and the students and horizontally by friendships among their peers and the shared path that they were all on. And this is important to me because I always hope that people can see the richness in sharing their journey with others. Yeah, hold on to your unique path and this inner empowerment that you have but share your experience with others. And this takes me into our own community that we have, Kishar. For a peaceful community where people can share their journeys and be themselves, visit kishar.org. The part of the Pali Canon that was hardest for me is that there were portions that were highly technical with lots of information. It would take hours for me to relate everything in the work. There are still words that are not translatable to English. And so you're just kind of working through this highly technical piece Beyond that technicality, beyond that technical writing, there was tons of practical advice and beautiful wisdom. So, I mean, don't get bogged down in it. This edition with commentary with it makes it easier to kind of navigate through the sections. So what are your thoughts on Buddhism? Have you read the Pali Canon? Do you have any thoughts on what you read? Uh, after seeing this, what questions do you have for Buddhists? Uh, you know, leave a comment. Let's have a discussion about this. I like this video if you want more content just like this. And until next time, I wish you peace on your journey.